Hello and welcome to Daily Prayer today for August 11th, 2021. Glad that you are with me. Let's go ahead and get started. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. The Lord be with you and also with you. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Reconciling God, we give you thanks that through the gift of our baptism, you have broken down dividing walls and made us members of your house. By the power of your Holy Spirit, build us up to be your holy temple, a place of peace and welcome for all through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Our readings for today are Psalm 89, 1 through 18, Psalm 147, verses 1 through 11, 2 Samuel 14, 21 through 33, Acts 21, 15 through 26, and Mark 10, 17 through 31. Listen for God's word to speak to you. From Psalm 89. I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant David, I will establish your descendants forever and build your throne for all generations. Selah. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God feared in the council of the holy ones, great and awesome above all that are around God. O Lord, God of hosts, who is as mighty as you, O Lord, your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. You crush Rahab like a carcass. You scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The north and the south, you created them. Tabor and Hermon joyously praise your name. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand. High your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Happy are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. They exult in your name all day long and extol your righteousness, for you are the glory of their strength. By your favor, our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 147, verses 1 through 11. Praise the Lord! How good it is to sing praises to our God, for God is gracious and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. God gathers the outcast of Israel. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God determines the number of the stars. God gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. God's understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden. 
God cast the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. God covers the heavens with clouds, prepares rain for the earth, makes grass grow on the hills. God gives to the animals their food and to the young ravens when they cry. God's delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor God's pleasure in the speed of a runner, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear God and those who hope in God's steadfast love. 2 Samuel 14, 21-33 Then the king said to Joab, Very well, I grant this. Go back to the young man Absalom. Joab prostrated himself with his face to the ground and did obeisance and blessed the king. And Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight, my lord the king, in that the king has granted the request of his servant. So Joab set off, went to Geshur, and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. The king said, Let him go to his own house. He is not to come into my presence. So Absalom went to his own house and did not come into the king's presence. Now in all Israel there was no one to be praised so much for his beauty as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head there was no blemish on him. When he cut his hair of the hair of his head, for at the end of every year he used to cut it, when it was heavy on him he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head two hundred shekels by the king's weight. There were born to Absalom three sons and one daughter whose name was Tamar. She was a beautiful woman. So Absalom lived two year, full years in Jerusalem without coming into the king's presence. Then Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king. But Joab would not come to him. He sent a second time, but Joab would not come. Then he said to his servants, Look, Joab's field is next to mine, and he is barely there. Go and set fire to, on it. Set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the, fire, set the field on fire. When Joab rose and went to Absalom at his house and said to him, Why have you, your servants, set my field on fire? Absalom answered Joab, Look, I sent word to you. Come here that I may send you to the king with the question, Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me to be there still. Now let me go into the king's presence. If there is guilt on me, let him kill me. Then Joab went to the king and told him, and he summoned Absalom. So he came to the king and prostrated himself with his face to the ground before the king. And the king kissed Absalom. Acts twenty-one fifteen through 26 After these days, we got ready and started to go up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also came along and brought us to the house of Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple, with whom we were to stay. <laughs> when we arrived in Jerusalem, the brothers welcomed us warmly. The next day, Paul went with us to visit James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they praised God. Then they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands of believers there are among the Jews, and they are all zealous for the law. They have been told about you that you teach all the Jews living among the Gentiles to forsake Moses and that you tell them not to circumcise their children or observe the customs. 
What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come, so do what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Join these men, go through the rite of purification with them, and pay for the shaving of their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself observe and guard the law. But as for the Gentiles who have become believers, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what was strangled and from fornication. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having purified himself, he entered the temple with them, making public the completion of the days of purification, when the sacrifice would be made for each of them. From Mark ten seventeen through 31 As Jesus was sit- setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the man heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed by these words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everyone and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, our readings for today. We have first from, actually, first the psalm. You notice, you may recognize this, where uh, David says, to my Lord. Um, Jesus makes reference to this in uh, some of the Gospels, at least. And this is just where it comes from, where David is referring to this other one who is above and yet not quite maybe God or, or uh, you know, it's, it's unclear. And Jesus and, and others use this as a, um, a proof text. Speaking of David, David has now allowed Absalom to come back to Jerusalem, and yet he is not in his presence. So Absalom actually lives in Jerusalem for two full years. And 
So he's back, but he's still not in relationship with his father. Now, we also get the side note that he is stunningly beautiful. He is perfect. He is immaculate. He has this hair, which is definitely a plot point coming up if you don't know it. Um, He has this hair that weighs, at the end of the season, he'll cut it all off, and it weighs 100 shekels of uh, weight. I don't know exactly what that is, but I imagine just the way that it's described, it's quite a bit. He's got these long, this long sort of like dreadlocky kind of something going on, right? And he's just gorgeous, looks like, you know, Hemsworth. He looks, he looks really, really good. Um, but he does not uh, have any relationship with his father yet. So he reaches out to Joab, who instituted him coming to this place, to Jerusalem. And Joab doesn't respond to him. And he reaches out to him again, and Joab does not respond. So he lights Joab's field on fire. (laughs) And Joab says, hey, what's up with that? You light my field on fire. He's like, well, you didn't talk to me. Um, Go talk to my dad and say, you know, why did you bring me back from Geshur where I was? You know, it's not doing me any good to be here rather than there. I might as well be there. Um, at least maybe I have friends and family or whatever from there. Why Why not bring me here? And so we have this sort of beginning of that relationship being uh, connected a little bit. Um, sort of talking more about what we talked about yesterday, about relationships and how difficult they are sometimes. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes uh, a period of time. And it's it's steps. Um, you know, Absalom comes to Jerusalem and that is a step, but there's still not that connection. And so now this is sort of the next step. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes longer than it really should, uh, because we don't want to take those steps. It's hard to reconnect and make those connections, uh, cause we have to swallow our own pride and all those sorts of things. Anyways, then we have from Acts. Saul finally gets down to Jerusalem. He meets with James, who is seemingly the sort of de facto leader of the Jerusalem church at this point, and tells him all about the great things that he has done with the Gentiles. And James says, great, that's all wonderful, but we have a PR problem here. There's lots of Jewish believers. There's a whole thousands of them, right? And they think that not only are you telling the the Gentiles that they don't have to follow the law, which is fine, we sent a letter, that's cool. But they're getting the sense that you're saying that we don't have to follow the law. They're getting the sense that that you are telling all of us and that you have rejected Moses, that you have rejected the law personally, that you are telling Christians who are Jewish, that they don't have to worry about the law, that they don't have to circumcise their children. That's a problem. So we've got these four people. They're here and they're ready to take on a solemn oath and you're going to pay, join in that solemn oath with them and you're going to shave your head and you're going to shave their heads and we're going to show all of the people that you still believe that the law is valid, that we as the Jewish believers who happen to believe that Jesus is the Messiah also are following the law and that you're not rejecting the law of Moses, 
that's what we're gonna do here, right? That's it's. <laughs> Paul does not seem to have much uh, choice in this, so he takes it on, and he takes on this vow, and he enters into this sort of period of of purification, showing that he goes through the rituals, he does the things that um, he's supposed to do as a good Jewish man who also believes that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, and this is this is really for the benefit of those who are come from the Jewish tradition but believe that Jesus is Messiah. And we'll see where that goes. Then we have in Mark a challenging, challenging story. A man comes up to Jesus and says, What do I need to earn eternal life? And Jesus says, Do the law, do do the Ten Commandments, do the things that you're supposed to. Says, sure, I've done those all, all throughout my life. And he looks at him, and I believe that Mark's gospel is alone in this one. He sees him and he loves him. He knows who he is. He sees into his very soul and he says, This is the one thing that you need. You need to sell all your possessions. You need to give all the money to the poor. You need to follow me. And the man walks away, and he is sad because he has many possessions. Now, this, this is definitely a text. This story in particular gets people's blood boiling. It triggers a lot of people. It gets them saying, well, you know, are you saying that I have to sell all my possessions? Well, I can do, you know what? I have all of these possessions and resources and I can do far more with those having them and and using them than I could possibly do uh, if I just sold it all and gave it all away. Maybe. I notice that people get very defensive around this scripture. They start to come up with reasons why they can't do this. And just to be honest, I'm not, I am part of that group. When I start to think about what would it be to just completely do, divest myself of all of my material possessions, it's not necessarily something I want to do. Partially, we live in this culture that is a capitalistic culture, right? We define ourselves by the things that we have. We define ourselves by our possessions. And there's a certain amount of that that runs straight into this scripture, and we don't want to hear it. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is saying here that everyone has to give up everything they have. Sure. But Jesus looks at this man and says, this is something that you need. Is it impossible for Jesus to look at us and say, this is what you need to do as well? Maybe. If we get very defensive about this, if we immediately want to come up with all the reasons why we can't do it, 
What does that say? Are we reacting against something that we are hearing but we don't want to do? Maybe. It's a hard one. Jesus then goes on and says how hard it is for someone who is rich to get into the kingdom of God. It, it, it's, it's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. I've said this before, but the, the whole idea of this being a very narrow gate that was called the eye of a needle, and it was really hard to get a camel through but not impossible, is malarkey. Jesus is using a very hyperbolic illustration here. He's saying, camel, needle. And the disciples say, what? that's impossible. Jesus says, bingo, yes, that is right. For human beings, it's impossible. But for God, it's not impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. It's a reminder that we don't earn our salvation. There's nothing that we can do. Rich or poor, doesn't matter. We cannot earn our way into God's kingdom. God gives us passage. It's not impossible for God. And so we who depend and and think that we have everything together and that we have earned our way into places of power or even into the kingdom of God, we're fooling ourselves. For those who do not have a whole lot of material possessions, it's a lot easier to not depend on our own wits and our own whatever it is. But for those of us who have more, for those of us who have made our way by our own ingenuity, it's a lot harder to say, you know what? I did not do this alone. And to look at something like salvation and say, I don't earn this. This is a hard and troubling uh, scripture. So we struggle with it and we work through it. And we consider our objections to it and what God is calling us to as we join together in prayer. Satisfy us with your love in the morning, and we will live this day in joy and praise. Great and wonderful God, we praise and thank you for the gift of renewal in Jesus Christ. Especially we thank you for ministries of music and the arts. those who enlighten and entertain, the love of family and friends, time for rest and recreation, promises kept and hope for tomorrow. People of God, for what else do we give thanks? Give thanks for all that you have given us. For our time, our talent, our money, our possessions. Help us to use those things to do your work and your will in the world. You make all things new, O God, and we offer our prayers for the renewal of the world and the healing of its wounds. Especially we pray for the church in North America. Rest and renewal for creation. 
those who are enslaved by addictions. All who long to live in your holy realm. People of God, for what else do we pray? We pray for Charlie, a friend of Bill's who is having family struggles. We pray for Buddy and the other residents at the suites at Algiers Point. A staff person tested positive. The residents are all fine, but uh, the facility has been locked down. We pray for Pam, a friend of Bill's who's been transferred into a skilled nursing unit. We pray for Ernie, who is recovering from knee replacement surgery. We lift up an online prayer request for Rebecca, as well as one for Mina. We also lift to you all of our prayers, all the situations that we know of. Blessed are you, O God, our Creator, at the work of your hands we sing for joy. Keep us in your grace and peace this day and teach us to glorify and enjoy you forever. Through Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now let us continue to praise in the words that Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Now to God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Bless the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Thank you so much for joining me today for Daily Prayer. Join me tomorrow for some more. Like this video, share it with someone else, click on the subscription and the notification button, as well as going to our website, johncalvinchurch.org, for more information. Our liturgy today came from the Book of Common Worship of the Presbyterian Church USA, 2018 edition, and our readings came from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Thank you for joining me. Have a blessed day. We'll see you next time. Bye.